Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes. Welcome to Tech Radio for the bank holiday weekend with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, there are many, many ways of getting the show. I don't know which way you got us today, but you can download us directly from our website at techcentral.ie. You can use a smartphone podcast app. Loads of them around. Podcast Addict is the one I'm using at the minute. Uh, You can use iTunes, of course, or you can turn us on the radio. Wow. Every Friday on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Joining me as ever is Niall Kitson editor-in-chief of Tech Central. And this week, really, it's Apple v. Microsoft because both had product launches this week and we're trying to weigh up which one was better. Um, Now, neither of us, to be fair, have actually seen the presentations, but we've been reading all of the stuff that came out of it now. Well, I I caught the Microsoft one live and... um, Ah, very good. Well, I I didn't see either, so I'm just fessing up straight away. Okay, well, that's all right. Um, yeah, I've been playing catch up a little bit myself on the uh, on the Apple one, and I have to say, I think Microsoft won this week. Um, I wasn't wow. Uh, there. Wasn't a he- wow! Oh my goodness! I, yeah. you're not you're you're not going to believe this. I think what? Apple won. Oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> I knew you'd be surprised. <laughs> I, 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 this is, you know, for long-term listeners of the show, this is, this is quite cataclysmic, really, isn't it? Yes, I mean, yes. if, if this is your first show, I always diss Apple. I own everything that Apple ever made, so I feel entitled to be able to complain about them at will, and I do frequently. <laughs> uh, so for me to, to, okay. to say that I think Apple won. Why did you think Microsoft did a good job? Okay, right. Well, Microsoft showed up a few things that were very interesting. So uh, and again with very little fanfare. So that was that was kind of um, you know this announcement landed on me with half an hour notice. Would you like to watch the live stream for media? I said, well, I suppose <laughs> if it was any other day, I mightn't have had the, the opportunity to. So uh, let's just go through some of the things that Microsoft showed off. Uh, some of them a bit gimmicky. Some of them actually very interesting. Um, there will be the Windows 10 Creators Update coming in the spring. And Creators Update, basically, it, it the rationale behind it is that everyone has an artist hidden inside them. And that this is the update to, to bring it out of you. Um, so they are looking at things like... Uh, 3D scanning of images through your smartphone. So basically, uh, the demonstration they had was the sandcastle and the um, person who did the demonstration turned on their camera, did a slow circle of the sandcastle. It produced a 3D image, uh, which she could then paste and use in paint, mm. uh, which is quite interesting. Paint is actually getting a big overhaul as well. Paint is going to be their big... Um, um, 3D, I don't want to say platform, but if you're going to do image editing mm. with um, 3D images through Windows, well, the impression the impression that I got with all of that was that they are, you know, gearing up their software for the HoloLens. They are, and there was a great HoloLens demonstration as well, where they basically took the image that they were working on uh, from the stage, that sandcastle, and they were able to take it from the scanning stage through to the holographic stage. So that that was the that was the process so you could start off by scanning something and then you can be playing with it in hololens or in a virtual mm-hmm. environment 
by the end of the process so that was that was kind of cool um the the hololens stuff again was very um very ambitious very interesting uh one of the examples they used was um uh, a guy was shopping for furniture and he mm-hmm. was able to pluck uh, an image of a seat out from a website turn it into a hologram and manipulate it about the stage so imagine if you wanted to do some shopping for a new sofa, you would be able to pluck the sofa out of the IKEA website, we'll say, and then just put it in the middle of your front room and go, OK, yes, no, I'd like that. Or, or That's or the don't. kind of stuff I, that you see on Star Wars or not Star Wars, like Star Trek or something like that. It's a real Gene Roddenberry yeah. kind of thing, isn't it? <laughs> It is a Gene Roddenberry thing, and and I think it really came across very well. Uh, something else that came across very well is a slew of new virtual reality headsets, um, and we're not looking at people targeting the the HTC Vive or the um, uh, Oculus Rift. What we're looking at is sort of that mid range. I want to try out decent virtual reality. I don't want to have to fork out big money for a gaming mm. rig. I do want to do that whole. What does a user interface look like in a virtual world? I do want to use it as a work productivity tool. I want to do some light stuff with it on the on the regular computer. So um, headsets coming from Dell, HP, Lenovo, Asus and Acer for around $299 to start. Aside That's from all pretty that, good the, value. It is very good value. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to get in very quickly was the uh, it's the Surface Pro, is it? Uh, Surface Book gets an upgrade, yeah. Surface um, Book. Uh, Surface Book, yeah. Uh, 8 gigs of RAM, Core i7 processor, 250 gigs solid state storage, mm. uh, 2 gigs this of is- uh, virtual RAM and 1 terabyte SSD storage. But that's uh, not the most interesting thing of the day, which what I'm is? sure you want to talk about. Go on, what is the most interesting uh, thing of the day? The uh, Surface Studio, the 28-inch um, desktop, I guess. It's a, it's a it's, desktop uh, yeah, computer. It's an one yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a it's an all in one. Uh, just to give you the uh, the base specs: quad core Intel i five processor, one terabyte storage, eight gigs of RAM, NVIDIA GeForce GTX nine sixty five M GPU with two gigabytes of uh, virtual RAM of virtual RAM, 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 of course. <laughs> RAM, uh, you've got RAM you go. on your mind. <laughs> I know, that's bizarre. <laughs> so all the way up to Core i7, 2 terabytes storage, 32 gigs of RAM, and uh, 4 gigabytes of virtual RAM. Now, virtual RAM. I can't what, say it. Uh, it doesn't matter, don't worry about it, we know what you mean. Uh, what I like about that desktop mach- machine is kind of, it's on a hinge. So you've kind of got a little bit more flexibility for uh, being able to pull it towards you and actually angle it. So that if you want, you will work on it like you would, uh, say, a tablet or something like that. So it just sits at an angle on the desk and you can touch the screen and do everything directly. And then when you're finished with it, you can kind of hinge it back up and put it in a more traditional LCD screen kind of a, a pose with a keyboard in front of it. I, I quite like that. And also I like the fact that the computer is built into the base of the, the monitor stand. So you, you know don't, what it looks like? What? Do you remember the Asus um, e-box? It was one. It was one of the. It was like the oh, desktop God, yeah. attempt to be a, a netbook. Do you remember that? Mm. That's actually what yeah. it looks like, hooked up to a giant screen. Um, and I have to say, like, if you work in architecture or comics or oh, brilliant or anything, anything with drawing like that, or something like that, yeah, anything yeah, yeah, with yeah. drawing, 
this is the thing for you. Well, I mean, the fact that you can move the screen and they're big into handwriting Microsoft at the moment. Mm. They really want to get you writing on documents. Uh, also, quite nifty is you can display A4 in actual A4 size. So when you're doing print preview, you don't need to scroll. It just all comes up on the on the one screen, which is quite, quite nice. Sort of a, a touch that you hadn't thought about. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, that's actually yeah. really useful. Uh, however, right, well, for starting, you've, starting you've, you've taken two and a half you've grand. Ta- you t- it's not but it's it's a bit expensive i would have thought but uh you did now we've had eight nearly eight minutes right of microsoft and i'm about to blow it oh, all out grief. of the water in two words with the apple uh, uh, um, uh, product launch you ready yeah touch bar yeah. touch bar are you really that interested no. in a touch sensitive bar <laughs> absolutely not it's the biggest bloody gimmick going but you know what it's cool <laughs> <laughs> That's all uh, I can say. Okay, Basically, what Apple right. have done on their on on their they've uh, uh, decided to get rid of the MacBook Airs. They're going to concentrate on the on the MacBook Pros. That's that's the main thing. But they're making the MacBook Pro even smaller than the MacBook Air, and they've taken out the function keys, the F1, F2, and they've replaced it with a kind of a, a, a like a smartphone type screen, and they call that a Touch Bar, and it will change according to what program you are using. My, I absolutely think that that was a big wow moment, and uh, and I think it's fantastic. I think it's utterly useless. Uh, I think it's <laughs> it would drive me absolutely insane. <laughs> but I haven't used it. There was one demonstration where they were they had, and even for our pro DJ application, because you know I'd be very interested in this. And I was looking at that. Oh. And I was going, oh no, no, mm. no, <laughs> <laughs> no. But Apple have gone out and they have absolutely wowed me with the. Cook. I would love that as a toy, but on a day-to-day computing basis, no. Well, the new the new keyboard is nice as well. They've got the same keyboard as in the, the MacBook. Let, mm. let it be known, I called the death of the MacBook Air last week. Oh, right, there you go. There you go, Graham. Well, we'll put that down as uh, Nile one dusty nil for this week, will we? <laughs> <laughs> Good talking to you, Nile. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Augmented reality is something that really excites us on the show, as I'm sure you know. Not just because we like Pokemon Go, but the more practical uses that we're seeing with Microsoft's HoloLens and things. So for this week's interview, Niall has been speaking with an expert in the field of augmented reality. And if you're in any way interested in the future of tech, you're going to love this. Today I'm speaking with Andre Guadamus, who's from the University of Sussex and a, a confirmed um, uh, evangelist of augmented reality and an actual player of Pokemon Go. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, Pokemon Go in general as a game and what it's done for augmented reality, but also about sort of the broader picture of augmented reality and what it's going to mean for people uh, in the long term. So I guess, I guess, Andre, just to start, what what was your attraction to Pokemon on go because you are a legitimate fan <laughs> yeah um i've been interested in augmented reality for many years uh i started thinking about it mostly uh, prompted by science fiction stories and uh, i'm an avid reader of uh, william gibson writers like uh, charlie strauss and sort of the near future type of uh, writer science fiction writers that tell us well, the technology is going to be the day after tomorrow. And uh, one of the big themes that these uh, people have is augmented reality. So when there was a game that was actually a hit uh, using augmented reality as part of the play, um, play style and, and 
I couldn't resist. Uh, this was the first time that uh, my interest in, in science fiction element uh, was married with an actual game that I could play and I could go out and, and interact with, uh, with the real world in a virtual space. And what's interesting about Pokemon is that it kind of tapped into a few things that perhaps were already out there, but just made them accessible. I mean, we already had our first experience of consumer-grade augmented reality in Google Glass, and we've had Pokemon in card and video game form for years and years. So it sort of combined the elements of Google Glass that people were less uncomfortable with maybe it's fair to say and combine that with a a sort of a nostalgia be it for the game for the cards for the cartoons or something and made it accessible it it really was a kind of a perfect storm wasn't it yeah oh absolutely um i think that uh, they were not expected niantic the the developers were not expected it uh, for it to be as popular i think that they knew that they were tapping into a pre-existing um, uh, set of uh, people who grew up with Pokemon cartoons and the games uh, and, the, and the cards and the technology uh, came to a place where uh, everyone has a mobile phone has a smartphone so these two came together and the technology is enough and uh, the data plans even which is is a requirement you need to be able to connect to the internet to have this data beam down to you um, they finally came together in, in, at the right time it was the summer of Pokemon Go everyone was playing it I think what's interesting is that you know Pokemon Go still relied on the smartphone it didn't go for Google Glass it wasn't a, it didn't have a dedicated peripheral for it and I don't think we're going to see that I think people are just going to still um, use their phones because that's what they're comfortable with it's kind of an interesting development really I mean if this was maybe three years ago and Pokemon Go was coming out maybe Google would have leapt on it as a killer app but it just didn't happen for Glass did it? Yeah yeah. Uh, if you ever use Glass uh, technology wasn't there to even remotely do something like this the resolution was too low the uh, and the resolution in phones but also the the speed the uh, speed in, in in urban areas which is where most of the pokemon go players were were using it was just enough that uh, they could use it on their phones and it's actually not a coincidence that augmented reality came to the phones the applications have been around for quite a while um uh, there, is, there has been a, a Google application called uh, Google Goggles that mm-hmm. uh, allows you to use your phone to do all sorts of things, scan QR codes, and even does uh, has a, a, a bit of an interesting search function. Um, so it was just the fact that everyone had the phone and the speeds were enough. And the cameras are also good enough that in your phones that you're able to combine all this uh, into a game uh, that brings back the memories of, uh, of people playing and watching the cartoons. Uh, and of course, one of the one of the unfortunate side effects really is that when something blows up so massively like Pokemon Go does, the problems also blow up with them. So, you know, a game developer sits down and they go, wouldn't it be great to do this, this, this? All of a sudden, the real-world cases show up and you have things like a mob mentality of people's houses being besieged. Yeah. And it, 
tell us a little bit about some of the problems that have emerged since, since the game became so popular and what people have been doing about them or can people do anything about them? The main problem that has happened is people complaining that their properties, the real properties, have been tagged as either a Pokestop or a Pokegym. And these are spaces where players congregate to interact with the game in a real space. So uh, what happens is that if people objected to to having people outside of their house at all at odd hours, which is what what was exactly happening in some instances, uh, these people didn't feel uh, felt that they couldn't do anything about it. Um, that is one of the main complaints, and I've heard lots of stories. Uh, a sort of unofficial uh, um, legal Pokemon Go expert. I've started receiving lots of emails where people have been complaining to me about about things that happened to them. I've had people tell me that they're, they cannot sleep uh, because there are people outside of their house talking at all hours. Uh, I've had friends tell me uh, stories that uh, they couldn't uh, keep their windows open because there were always people outside. Mm -hmm. And all sorts of little problems like this that I think uh, were picked up by by the media, but it was just an annoyance. I think that mm, a lot of the problems were exaggerated in some ways. uh, the most famous case is this guy uh, in Massachusetts, Boone Sheridan, that was had his house tagged as a gym. And he had people showing in front of his house at all hours. Um, and he felt that this was something that even though he understood what was happening, he didn't know if this what he could do about it, if he could even, even change. It was just, his house was tagged as a church, and churches are gyms. So that, that that created a problem. So his house basically became a, a social hub and there was not a lot he can do about it. And as we know, sort of tech companies in general can be quite, um, I don't want to say lazy or intransigent, but they can be fairly slow to react to problems like this. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, what, what sort of process do people have? Is, is really this is where regulation, where law should step in and make mm-hmm. itself known that, look, yeah, we know this stuff is coming, mm-hmm. but, you know, let's, let's bring some rules down on this. Yeah, I think we are going to have to have a combination of uh, industry action at some point where... Uh, the developers of augmented reality build into their systems the possibility of uh, users objecting to the use of their virtual space. That is already happening with Niantic. They have a form that if there's any problem whatsoever with a location, you are able to highlight it. But a problem that we've been seeing is that uh, we have no idea if this is working. How many times... uh, People have requested how many times it has actually led to a change. Uh, as a player, I can tell you I've never seen a change in a gym or mm-hmm. uh, a stop anywhere. So I have no idea this is actually taking place. The other would be a potential legislative solution. But I don't think it's so much about Pokemon Go specific, because I think that the problems of Pokemon Go are not as serious that may require some type of legislation. I mean, uh, the craze has eventually started dying down. Even the most popular gyms don't have a crowd of people outside uh, waiting to play. Um, I'm more concerned about other potentials for augmented reality to 
to create problems, and that's where I can see legislation actually helping us in the future. Well, what springs to mind when you talk about um, legislation, or you know, when anyone mentions it these days, is um, people's individual digital rights, which are much stronger in Europe than they are in the US, where Niantic is is based. So when you sort of look at your digital rights in Europe, you've got the general data protection regulation. You have the right to see what people are holding on you. You have the right to, to um, uh, have that information deleted after a certain reasonable length of time. Um, and there are very serious penalties in place for um, companies that uh, contravene those regulations. Are we going to see that similar um, disconnect in approach for, from American companies potentially working in, in the AR space and Europe where, where they might go, well, actually, we're, we're going by U, U.S. regulations mm-hmm. here and they're OK by us, even though, you know, that data is mined for our benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Europe, it's, you know, you generate it, but it's, it's yours. That, that really is going to be a schism affecting how AR apps are developed going forward, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um Ireland has been at the forefront of the fight uh, of the inter-Atlantic uh, or, or transatlantic uh, great privacy war, as uh, some people have called it, between the almost non-existent uh, type of regulation that they have in the United States on privacy and data protection to our uh, European standards. And uh, I can envisage at some point... Uh, companies that are going to try to either sell themselves as complying with the European regulations. Microsoft has surprisingly been uh, very open about this. They're saying that uh, European data is going to remain in European servers. For example, it's not going to be exported. Um, On the contrary, some companies are more reluctant to to comply. Uh, One of the big examples has been Facebook, of course, and uh, it has been the source of the uh, of, of, of litigation and uh, that made it to the Court of Justice of the European Union and the Schrems case. Um, so I can see this playing out uh, very similarly. Um, data flows from uh, uh, Europe to the United States. And some companies are going to comply with the European standards or they may decide this is not worth our while. We're not going to operate in Europe. Mm. And particularly, you might see startups taking a taking a chance on it, just sort of assuming that, yeah, privacy shield is in place. But, you know, we're too small. Nobody's really going to notice what we're up to. Um, and, you know, if somebody tries to charge us uh, whatever the penalty is, it's 4% of yeah, global so. turnover. Like, that is not a lot of money. We'll just shut up shop and, and uh, incorporate with something else. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the solutions um, that you came up with uh, for dealing with the legal consequences mm-hmm. of augmented reality is this idea of affording places uh, a similar level of digital protection mm-hmm. as individuals have. So uh, tell us a little bit about that and specifically how it relates to AR. Yeah. Um, one of the concerns that I've been having more than Pokemon Go and uh, augmented reality in, in general is the potential for mistagging and misidentification of uh, virtual spaces. So let's say you have your house and your house is being identified as a space, and that is incorrect, or it could be even um, derogatory, it could be defamatory, it could be um, 
even have some accurate information that at the moment is not is not public. It could be that your house is tagged as having someone that has defaulted on a debt in the past, and all of your neighbors would be able to see this if this was in an augmented reality. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned about all of the things that probably we haven't, we haven't even thought about uh, in a world where everything can be tagged, everything can be identified, and everything can be and those uh, and that data can be seen in your mobile phone. And you're walking around and you're looking in the app. Oh, this person, no, oh, they didn't pay the rent last month. This person has, uh, they, they haven't paid uh, their taxes. Uh, and I can think of many other, mm-hmm. even nastier things that could be happen, happening in virtual spaces that would be tagged. My problem is that they would be accessible by everyone in this in some of these databases. So my proposal is to have some form of um, a legal recourse where you would be able to go either to uh, the intermediary, uh, in the case of uh, something like the right to be forgotten, where you go directly to Google to have a link removed, or you go to the, your data protection authority and tell them this data is incorrect, it's outdated, or it's excessive. Uh, for the purpose that it was uh, uh, created. So I want it removed, I want it modified, I want it erased. And those are the rights. You already have those rights, but they're not connected. They're only connected to you as a person. They may not be connected to you, your spaces, your car, your house, your workplace, mm-hmm. even. And I think that at the moment we have a gap. And my proposal is to create something that I call a data object. So at the moment we have data subjects, which are people who can be identified um, uh, through data. And it would be a space, a place, a virtual space, uh, an object even, uh, that is related to a data subject in some form, but it, uh, uh, so you would have the same rights but you would be able to have to exercise those rights on the object itself. That's a, that's a very interesting concept because it, it, just to take the example of the building, um, you could start basically with GPS coordinates mm-hmm. and say, okay, there's there's your first data object to do with this building and then see what layers on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got the option maybe of people uh, graffitiing your building and you not knowing about it until yeah. you actually do put the lens on it. Yeah. It also sort of throws up a very interesting possibility of having to do an audit Mm-hmm. basically on somewhere when when you move in that you you have to sort of run it through your phone to make sure it's not hiding anything yeah no f- fantastic the things that yeah we haven't even thought about uh, potentially and uh, this uh, information these databases uh, i like, like really i like the idea of an audit uh, uh, before you move in uh, you have to disclose absolutely everything about a, pro- a property uh, sometimes not disclosing an important fact uh, mm-hmm. can have Consequences uh, in a sale or uh, or even in renting, you didn't tell them that the wall was falling. Uh, <laughs> uh, you'd probably have to tell people uh, before a sale. Oh, by the way, you know uh, this house has a tag. Uh, you may want to have that checked, <laughs> removed uh, somehow. Yeah, there is a big, huge tag in X application. Uh, you may want that looked into. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think we're really on the cusp of seeing so many uh, interesting applications of augmented reality. But it's it's interesting that augmented reality is growing up 
alongside virtual reality that they're not uh, they're not in competition as such um, uh, if you've seen Microsoft's recent HoloLens um, demo video it's basically one person is in an office using HoloLens to manipulate their presentation while the other person is using virtual reality to recreate that office yeah. Um, yeah. AR is pretty much the street level at the moment isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is um, I think that virtual reality has other potentials, but at the moment I see it because the uh, the technology itself doesn't allow you to move around quite a lot. Uh, you have to be in a more controlled space. Uh, people sitting down or playing in their uh, in their house. Uh, um, I see a difference uh, with potential legal issues. There are going to be legal issues in virtual reality that we haven't thought about, and I have never thought about them. Uh, in any depth, and it's mostly because of the mobility. I am not concerned about virtual reality. You're playing a game already. You're just sitting on your couch, and it's pretty much the same an extension of, let's say, your PlayStation. And the legal issues that would happen with your PlayStation are would apply to your virtual reality headset. I'm more concerned that augmented reality is already deployed, and it's in all of our mobile phones. If you just install an app. So I'm more concerned about that, and, and that is, uh, I, I think, one of the main um, differences that we're going to to see. Um, however, I, I, if virtual reality at some point becomes so that your virtual reality helmet is able, you're able to walk with it, and and it seamlessly interacts with your reality, then that would be augmented reality. Great. Andre Guadamus, level 25 Pokemon Go player. Thank you for your time. Thanks very much. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Andre Guadamu. That about wraps it up for our show for this week. But whatever you do, do not wait an entire week. Looking for your next tech fix. Remember, you can get the latest Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie, as well as our weekly tech radio show online. And every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next week, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and Nile at Tech Central HQ, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.